0: seven-story window, just throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell, it's astounding, the legs will go, to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help, yeah, I am waving while I drown, don't bother swimming at it to save me, I will only drag you down, I'll try to use your body as a life raft, cause if there's room enough for one, there might
1: All right. Put down your pens. Put down your pencils. Step away from the keyboards and settle in for this week's episode of the Writer's Block, a Muddied Waters Media production. First and foremost, allow me to thank Don and Sally Wright for giving birth to me. Because without you, none of this would be possible. Even though I am a constant letdown. Uh, also, allow me to thank the Narcissist Cookbook for uh, allowing me to use his music at the beginning and the end of every episode of this show. Uh, and you can find him on the YouTube. Where he did a completely legal reading of the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, and it is a great way to fall asleep. Uh, also, allow me to thank Alex Fortenberry for the kava that I am drinking today that you did not know you were giving me for the show, but I appreciate it anyway. Thank you to All Above Bula Vinaka. Uh, very excited to bring on my guest today. Uh, she is one of the. Founder, uh, man, I should have written in the Founders of Float. She uh, uh, d- put on Anarcho Vegas uh, a couple of weeks ago. She is a crypto genius. My guest, Aaron Nakamoto. Aaron, thank you for coming on my show.
2: Hi, thank you for having me. Finally, I feel like we've been coordinating this and coordinating this. And now it's finally here. I know.
1: Yeah, very excited. Yeah. The first time I thought that, like when I first booked it, I didn't like look at my calendar and I thought Anarcho Vegas was the week after. And you're like, yeah, Thursday. That's great. And then on Tuesday, after I finished my show with Spike, he was like, Aaron's coming on your show Thursday. I said, yeah. Anarcho Vegas is Friday. How is she going to do that? I was like, (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work.
2: I know, and I was so conflicted because I was like, "Oh my God, I have like a million and five things I need to get done before tomorrow. I don't have time to do this interview, but I really want to do it." And my friend was like, "Look, weigh the pros and cons, and you have to come to a decision." And I was like, "Oh God, I hate to do this, but yeah." You know, but uh, I'm glad that, you know now. I know it's a. Uh, it's actually one month later. It is. Today,
1: yeah. Yeah. It is one month from the first time that I said it, that you're going to be on my show. Um, and <laughs> hey, I am very happy that we finally got a chance to do it, though, and uh, that it finally has worked out. Even even today, we got things mixed up. And you're like, how about yeah, we are o- not good at this? <laughs> yeah, we, we are not good at the coordinating together. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, you're like three o'clock. I was like, great. So at three o'clock, I'm sitting here and I was just like, man, Aaron. Aaron bailed on me and then
2: <laughs> Aaron's a bitch <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then a couple hours later you're like okay I'm here and I'm ready I'm like oh time zones those things exist in the real world just not in my head and but so luckily we are here and we are able to do this um so for for all of my wonderful fans who do not know who you are can you tell me like Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know that you're an anarchist. Like, how did you find anarchy? Did you like start? Because so many of us start out with a political party because we were told there's only two. And then we kind of find our way there. So yeah. how is it that you got from wherever you were to where you are now?
2: So um, so my, my family was never really super political growing up. Um, and then I took, I hit 12th grade and I, I took like a government class. And uh, I kind of just fell in love with the idea of Obama. And like, I loved, I know it's so <laughs> but to uh, say <laughs> But uh, I really did believe in his message and I thought he was a very genuine person. And uh, I didn't really ever take a look at his policies because that's just not something that I learned how to do. Um, I was very enamored by his relationship with his wife. And I was like, oh, you know, like superficial, like, oh, they're married and they're cute. And like, they really love each other. And that's a good way to, you know, rile up patriotism. If, the, you know, the president loves his wife, which that's, is, it's just so weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, you know, I was just superficial in that way. And I, I just like threw all of my support in Obama. And I remember I, uh, I turned 18 and I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm voting for Obama, and Obama this, and Obama that, and you have to vote for Obama too, and uh, and then he won, and I was super excited, and I just, I, I, I saw all these things that he was doing, and I just was totally let down, and then I kind of just gave up uh, about politics. I just stopped caring, because I was like, well, I mean, he was kind of a letdown I I just can't, I can't focus on politics anymore because it it just riles me up and it's just a hot topic of conversation. And so I like kind of withdrew my support and uh, just went on with my life because why, you know, what, you know, there are so many other things to worry about. So then uh, I moved to Las Vegas and I met um, uh, the person I'm living with and been with for about four years now. um, And his name is Kingsley.
1: Which is, he, by the way, I, that is the greatest name, like oh Kingsley. You
2: have to hear. You have to hear his full name. It's stupid. <laughs> I love. I love his full name. Uh, but it's like very presidential right. or like very like royal. Yeah, I was it's gonna like, say it sounds
1: very British royalty. Just Kingsley.
2: His middle name is even worse, and it's Rockmore, but not like R O C K. It's R O Q U E M O R E. Like it's just. It's insane. I make fun of him for it all the time. I love his name, but make fun of him.
1: It's like a, a British porn star, Kingsley Rockmore.
2: <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love that. Yeah,
1: sorry, Kingsley. I don't even know you, man. <laughs> I apologize already.
2: Uh, but anyway, so I met him, and actually, he introduced me to Bitcoin. Uh, B- Bitcoin actually brought us together, and I'll tell the story later. But uh, he started asking me questions, and. Um, starting me started asking me questions on what i believed and why i believed them and i couldn't provide answers i just didn't have them you know couldn't defend my position on why i was a democrat uh so i stopped being a democrat i was like well i'm obviously not a democrat if i believe in things that directly go against that and so i kind of i watched a lot of ron paul videos and this was like 2015 2016 so it was after his run
1: right uh, after the 2012
2: after 2008 and 2012 yeah and so uh so I wasn't really there for that and uh I just watched a bunch of his videos and there was one video in particular that stood out and it was the one of the media totally blocking him and uh leaving him off of polls and like it was just crazy. The censorship of Ron Paul back in the 08 and 2012 elections. So that just riled me up and I just became pissed off. And so I read books and I kind of fell down the rabbit hole, went to Anarchapoco and I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a little weird. Like all these people are talking about these ideas that I've never heard before. And I, I don't know if I agree and I don't have an opinion and I, I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody because I was so intimidated and I didn't have ideas of my own and opinions of my own. And, uh, and so once I got back from Anarchapoca, I was like, that's it. Like I'm diving in, I'm going to figure out who I am, what I believe. And it's kind of just taken me here uh, to the anarchist route. I don't think that people should rule over other people.
1: And yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like we were talking before the show, but, I started out G O P. Like my parents are straight yep. yeah, Probably. straight down the line. That back it back in the olden days. Back in the olden days with the voting booth where you just had to like click the button at the top and it was just all R automatically. they were like that's the like I was like ten. And they're like, That's the only button you need to ever hit is that one. And I was like, Okay. I'm mm-hmm. a Republican because Republicans yeah. are good God-fearing people or something. I don't know. Um,
2: God believing people.
1: That's right. Who hate the middle East for some reason. Um, <laughs> cause that's where <laughs> Jesus is from or something. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and so I, you know, I was Republican. I joined, uh, like the young Republicans in high school. Um, I joined the young Republicans in high school. That group didn't last very long. Not surprisingly. Um, Then I went to uh, George Mason for college and I got really big into the economics of things, uh, into the economics of everything and became even stronger as a Republican. And then I discovered that uh, drugs are really fun. And I knew that as a Republican, that meant I should go to jail forever. And I was like, but I don't think I should go to jail forever. So this doesn't make any sense anymore. (laughs) And uh, slowly I started kind of like learning about civil liberties and you know personal choices and then i became a libertarian and i joined the libertarian party of florida and uh then i realized that the libertarians aren't really well run and they're they talk against the government but they want to use the government and it doesn't make it like it's just so convoluted so i ended up leaving and now i'm well now i'm who i am today
2: Uh, isn't that kind of crazy that it's funny because like I can recall being a Democrat and being like love for all, you know, like a, uh, you know, personal choice, respect, personal choices. Like I was very pro abortion like, Oh, respect personal choices. And I was thinking in a very collectivist kind of view, mm-hmm. but yet when it comes down to, for instance, like drug use, like you said, like that's a very individual thing. And you're like, well, wait, like if I do like NDMA, am I a bad person? Should I, should I no. go to prison? Should I, should should I have to go to rehab? Like, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I found policy. that
1: when I was on MDMA, I was usually a much better person than I am when I'm not on MDMA.
2: Most people are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs>
1: I was a much nicer person on MDMA. Um, and I used to do a lot of it. Um, that was, that was the one that really kind of was like, yeah, Drugs are great and just pulled me right in. I was like, let's see what other ones do. Um, but yeah. I
2: love that. Oh, yeah. I love that you explored. and like, I, I really think drugs, like, you know, my parents are very against drugs. Um,
1: Mine too. Like,
2: you know, like they, they are very Republican, you know? So like, and I know a lot of people, I had a friend uh, die from, from drug overuse of drugs. And so like, I know a lot of people who are very anti-drug, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like drugs genuinely help you break down barriers and, and really do help you to get to know yourself on a very personal level. You know, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: I, so I never had any uh, close scares with myself where I almost uh, OD'd, but many yeah. of my friends did. Yeah. Many of my friends did. And it was terrifying, like just absolutely terrifying. And um, it's, it's something i don't wish on anybody to have to live through something like that. Yeah. But at the same time i also think that if they were legal or decriminalized it would be preferable for me because then they're not regulated. But uh if they're if they're decriminalized you know what you're getting a lot more readily than if they're criminal if they're illegal because you have so much stuff just coming in through you know different channels and it's getting cut with who God knows what, as mm-hmm. opposed to you can get this drug that was approved by this third party board that's like, no, that stuff gonna get you high as hell. And mm-hmm. uh, don't worry, here's cocaine on the market,
2: mm-hmm. so yeah. And on the other side of the coin, if drugs were decriminalized and legalized, then you wouldn't have the highest incarceration rate in the world.
1: That's very true. Um, and I know that we're going to get to that in a minute, but I do want to talk to you about Anarcho Vegas for a really quick second. Um, explain to anybody who doesn't know what Anarcho Vegas is, what that, what you were doing with it.
2: Okay. Okay. So, um, so there are a bunch of different anarchy conferences right. already. Um, Anarcho is really the first one. Anarcho Zona was the second one to pop up and uh anarchadelphia is happening actually next month um but all of these conferences are very different than ours uh there are a lot of there's like a smorgasbord i guess of speakers who talk about just so many different things and there's no real message except for like anarchy do what you want make your own choices you on yourself right uh yeah. and so when Yaakov, Kingsley, Josh, Sigurdsson, and I sat down, we were like, okay, we have an opportunity here to do something really cool. And our goal with Anarcho Vegas was to make it a very positive conference focused on solutions rather than focused on problems. And so the best way we could figure out how to inspire people to feel empowered to take control of their own lives and really to go out there and uh, create change in the world because that's how I feel like society gets better by people just actually getting up and doing something to make the world a better place. We figured that the best way to inspire people is through entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, and so that's something that was a focus uh, this past year. However, uh, it's going to be the sole focus moving forward. So... We're super excited, and, uh, you know, there's still that message of you on yourself, but really the underlying message of our conference is, you have the power in you, so go use it, you know? Uh,
1: and that's a good point. Like, a lot of people always think, uh, you know, we need the government to do this. We need the government to do this. And everybody says, you can't trust uh, you can't trust people because people are bad, but then they forget that people are the ones doing the government.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you believe people are good enough to run the government, you have to believe that people are good enough to help lift other people out of the issues that they're having. And More,
2: more so, the government fucks up everything they touch. Look at the post office for an example. You know what I mean? Is there anything, anything worse than going to the post office? In my experience, no.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to go DMV over post office.
2: Oh, good one. Yeah.
1: DMV over post office. So like, but I understand the point. Like if I'm standing in line at the post office, I'm going, I could be at UPS right now
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and already be gone. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be standing in this line having to pick up this one package.
2: Yeah. Waiting to talk to someone for like 45 minutes.
1: Right. Exactly. DMV. I've been to one DMV that was great. And that's because nobody knew it was there. And it was like a secret one. That somebody told me about, and I went. There was nobody there. It was like two people worked there, and I just went in and I did everything I needed to do. And they were like, Okay, you're good. I was like, Cool, great. And I left. It was like 10 minutes. It was awesome. But the moment anybody found out about it, I knew it was ruined.
2: It's like a six to eight hour wait. I'm not joking. I spent eight hours trying to renew my license uh, back in January.
1: That's insane.
2: Mm -hmm. It took eight freaking hours, and I was just like, Kill me.
1: I would sit at the one here. Uh, I got one not too far from my house here in Florida. And if I'm like, if I've got to renew my tags or, you know, pay whatever idiotic fine to the government I need to pay to keep my car. Um,
2: that you paid for and w- own.
1: Right. Exactly. For Whatever fine that I need to make sure that they don't steal my property. Um, like, that's like a good day that I'm going to be sitting there. I. I Make sure I got a full charge on my phone and I'm sitting there and messaging, playing games, doing anything I can, just waiting for them to call A one twenty seven or whatever number they give me. Walk in, it's like A fourteen. I'm like, Great.
2: Yeah, you're like, oh go on. Yeah. I have to I have to like make a like change a mailbox key, right? And so for work or whatever. And I have, like, I tried calling the post office cause they're like, you have to call the post office to get this fixed. I'm like, okay. So I try and it's just, you know, um, like the robotic press one, press two, press three. And then when you hit zero, they're like, well, give me more information. And I'm like, I just wanna talk to someone, the, just
1: I don't know what robotic uh, phones you're calling because none of them sound that nice when they're doing it to me. Oh
2: no, no, <laughs> it's not that nice. <laughs> I put it in a very nice way, but it's frustrating. You can't reach anybody. Meanwhile, you call FedEx or uh, or UPS and they pick up on the like three rings, you know, and it's just super fast, super streamlined. And it's just the government really just fucks up everything they have their hands in. Every- Highest incarceration rate. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's inefficiency at its best. It and is
1: inefficiency at its absolute best. When you continue yeah. to screw up even the simplest of things that we've been doing forever. And it's like the government gets into it and it's like, okay, well now we need to fix it, even though it's not really broken. It's just like, there's this group over here that doesn't like it. So we need to fix it. And then it just ruins it for everybody. And everybody now hates it. Or the
2: government breaks it and they're like, oh, don't worry. A fix is coming. It's like, you could have just not. You could
1: have just left it. It's like the government creates equality by just making sure everybody hates everything equally.
2: Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's crazy. And it keeps people oppressed and it really does keep, like just keeps people poor, it keeps people sick and it keeps people from thriving. And so it's, it's truly time for a new system.
1: Um, Spike Cohen wanted me to ask what some of the highlights or what some of your favorite moments of Anarcho Vegas were. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, well, okay. So the thing for me was having everyone come into my, Town, So like Vegas seems like a very town or big city, uh, but it's really not. It's very, very, very small. And so whenever someone flew in, you just felt good. You're like, oh, my God, I threw this conference in 90 days. And now all my favorite anarchists and all these amazing people who want to learn about anarchy are flying to come to Vegas to come to my conference. You know, like, that was amazing, just having the people here. So that was a huge highlight for me. Um, Larkin Rose's Candles in the Dark. We threw a free Ross party to raise money for Ross Ulbricht. Right. uh, That was amazing. It really, like...
1: Like, I was, uh, like, so I remember when the Silk Road thing went down. mm -hmm. And I remember hearing about it. I was like, this guy, he's done nothing. Like, he, he built a platform. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was all he did. He wasn't condoning any of the stuff. He wasn't condoning anything. He just, he built a Craigslist. A essentially. Yeah. yeah. He built a he Craigslist. Took
2: an idea. He took an idea and, and put it into action and they gave him two life sentences plus 40 years. For
1: and, and everybody else that was involved in that, none of them got anything close to it. And I don't think he should have gotten anything. He did.
2: The drug dealers. And I'm not condoning throwing drug dealers in prison by any means. No, God, no, the drug dealers on the Silk Road only got ten, 10 years. Right. And Ross sits in a cage. He, If he does not get clemency, he he will die in prison, you know? And that's terribly... That's that's a tragedy. It's really sad. I'm going to cry. I might cry. <laughs>
1: he's been... Yeah. I, I believe uh, he's been locked up for just over 2,000 days at this point. And mm-hmm. it's... His Fourth Amendment was violated. His, like They did a legal warrant search, a legal warrant taps... They violated his privacy. They destroyed his free, uh, his freedom of speech. Uh, they crushed his jury trial. Like, they didn't introduce stuff to the jury and the judge just ruled on it. That entire trial is, it's the government at work. Like, they just were like, no, this is what we're doing because we have to make an example. So we don't care about any of those 10 things we've promised that we won't do.
2: Yeah. Don't create a website. Right. Don't, don't encourage free trade.
1: Right. Right
2: know it's it's ridiculous
1: it really is it, it absolutely it has the
2: people making their own decisions so sorry you've got to sit in the cage for the rest of your life
1: it's it's just horrible and i mean basically what the government was saying is you need to create like a facebook which i'm just gonna say it now fuck facebook and youtube just fuck them both this is yep. why my parents find me a disappointment because i say things like that yeah <laughs> um but uh,
0: make that make
2: that the image right yeah
1: just Middle fingers all over the place towards Facebook and YouTube. Um, yeah. They're gonna pull this one so fast, I know. It. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but that's okay because I'm on Float now. Uh, yeah. So, did you did you create Float? Are you one of the creators of Float? One of the founders of Float? I I meant to ask you that beforehand.
2: Yeah. So uh, before, when you're like founder, I, was, I thought you were gonna say Anarcho Vegas. but um, yeah. I'm actually. I'm the community manager for Float. Okay. So the founders are actually my, my boyfriend, Kingsley, Okay. Uh, Kingsley Rockmore, <laughs> and uh, our developer and our CTO. Um, so they are the considered the founders. I don't know why I said that with a Midwestern accent. That was weird. Um, but so yeah, so I do community management. So I run the social and I basically uh, take care of all the issues that come in through our support email and uh, okay. the work.
1: And how long, like, how long has Float been around?
2: Float uh, was an idea this past January and February. And so we actually just launched the day of Anarcho Vegas. So we live streamed Anarcho Vegas and then it's just been full steam ahead there. So not only was it crazy enough planning a conference in 90 days that we were also launching our company. Right. I
1: was going to say, but you're also launching a social media network at the same time. Yeah.
2: I drank a little.
1: I I could imagine. I could imagine. Um, yeah, so you, you told me about Float when I was freaking out about us getting kicked off of YouTube, uh, which we, were, we got that overturned. So, yeah, okay. we're, back, we're back on YouTube. But, um, well, you For know, it, yeah, until they see this video. Um, but um, so we were, I was stressed out and then you were like, yeah, Yo, you should join Float. So I went on Float, joined it immediately and figured it out. Love the fa- that you got live streaming. That's great. One yeah. question I have to ask is there a way to archive it so we can embed to float as opposed to
2: YouTube? That is it's coming. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that's something that we're really trying to push out. Um, especially like with Anarchadelphia right on, around the corner. Like they're going to be using float to live stream as well. So we definitely want to be able to uh, push that out as soon as we can, but we're working on it.
1: Cool. Yeah. Cause we, so we've been live streaming all of our shows to float as well as YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Nice. And we want to embed float as opposed to any of those companies on our website, but we can't yet. So I figured I would just ask yeah. you while I had you here. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> no. And it's, and floats great because you, you know, they, we don't get shadow banned, which we are on Facebook. Uh, you won't ban us, which YouTube did. And uh, Twitter hasn't hit us yet. So we'll see what Twitter does to us.
2: And but, not only that, but there's really no algorithm that you have to overcome.
1: Right. That's the other great thing about it. Like it, everything shows up in order, it seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And the thing I really like about our platform as well. uh, So like our goal is, yeah, to provide a place for alternative voices to come. uh, But we also want to cater towards other uh, parties as well. So people who hold other beliefs other than anarchism and libertarianism, you know, we don't, we don't want to become an echo chamber. And I hate when people use that term because, If you are in the anarchist movement, you know for a fact that it is not an echo chamber because there are so many opinions that conflict with each other. Like it's not—it's not like you walk into a room of libertarians or anarchists and everything is do 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 do. You know, like it's there are conflicting opinions. So there's—it's never really an echo chamber. But we want to be able to cater outside of our network Mm -hmm. um, to go there. So, but the thing that comes with that are the people who are going to. Beg us to ban you because they don't want to hear your or see your opinion. Right. And so something on our platform that is really neat is customizable block list. So that person can just like go through and block whoever they want and they can share it with their friends and be like, look, these people are Nazis. Uh, <laughs> here's my block list, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I would probably end up on that list. I get called that pretty often, just because I think that you have the right to say whatever you want to say. Uh, I got
2: called. I got called a Nazi for standing up to someone on Twitter who's like a Vegas local page, right? So they like influence all the all the locals in Las Vegas, and they said they posted something and they're like, "Oh, well, if you see a Nazi today, make sure you punch him in the face." And I commented back and I said are you really advocating for the Vegas locals to start punching people? Like you're inciting violence. You're inciting
1: violence on people that you don't even know what they stand for. You don't know who
2: these people are. Like, you're advocating someone to walk up to another person and punch them in the face. Like you don't see anything wrong with that. And like this page had thousands of likes and thousands of followers. Yeah. And so they were like, you're a fucking Nazi. I should come and punch you in the face and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like,
1: because I, because I don't want random people getting hit because you don't like what they're saying or wearing.
2: Yeah. I was just like, this is crazy. I've never been called a Nazi in my life. I am the furthest thing from a Nazi. It's just these people are out of control. It's really, truly out of their minds. You know,
1: the, it's okay to call people Nazis, but uh, don't ever call an Italian Fredo. Um, apparently. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, like the, Everything about this, uh, about the new way that we now have to talk to each other and what's offensive and what's not offensive is it makes me have to defend the president that I don't like.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm like, he's not a Nazi He's not I mean, sure I get the argument for concentration camps at the border Sure, I can see how you make that parallel Mm -hmm. But
2: That also started under Obama Right
1: Yeah, and you know, based on laws created by Clinton So, you know Yeah, sure I can see the comparison But he's not creating a genocide Of millions of people
2: but please, please take my guns away. But please
1: take my guns away. Yeah, you're talking about concentration camps on the border, but you're saying that we shouldn't own guns. Okay. The sense, the
2: sense. I, hey,
1: you know, sometimes point uh, one plus two equals, or one plus one equals three, um, I guess. I, it's true. It ma- I mean, it's great. It makes no sense, uh, makes no sense to me. Um, so you were telling me a little bit beforehand, uh, I get to say fuck Pam Bondi again because that's just always a fun sentence to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you were saying that you had something against my former attorney general here in the state of Florida. And I'm, yeah. again, fuck Pam Bondi. But uh, do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so Kingsley's dad actually has been locked up and is uh, serving a prison sentence. Uh, it's actually a 60-year sentence. And it is a, uh, he's served 27 years so far uh, with really no end in sight. And his crime was $850 worth of cocaine sold to his ex-girlfriend who turned into an FBI informant.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, it was his, it was his third strike and it was in the early 90s
1: and so eight okay so 850 dollars. okay i don't know that in the early 90s let's see 800 890 man in today's lingo that's like five eight balls in today's lingo i don't know what that is in the early 90s lingo
2: uh, i can't I, I i don't know either right. i i, I I really, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a lot.
1: Um, right. I was going to say, I'm not sure if cocaine was more expensive than it is now, or if like we've got inflation on cocaine now compared to what it would have been. Like, I'm not really sure how the market worked on that.
2: I, I know it was a relatively small amount, right. um, but right. so, it was just, it was crazy. He was just, he was at his home, and she asked for asked for cocaine, and he wasn't really doing it or selling it much, you know, at all. Um anymore. And then she asked for it and he went to go get it. And he came back to police in his home, arresting him.
1: That is absolutely insane.
2: Yeah. It's really sad. And, and so you've got, so the, he's, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, you've got the entrapment angle, used his ex-girlfriend against him. Was he, was it his ex-girlfriend at the time or no?
2: It was his ex-girlfriend at the time. Okay. Yeah. She wanted to marry him and, uh, And he wouldn't do it. And so I think that there was that little um, revenge mindset. She actually later on killed herself.
1: I'm not going to make the joke that just went into my head. Um, (laughs) Because that would have been really tasteless. But uh, I'm certain anybody out there can guess what I just thought. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, that's...
2: Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story, uh, but, yeah, he's, been, he's served about 26, 27 years so far, and uh, uh, there have been times where the, the Clemency Board, whose budget is $1 to $3 million, uh, I don't know the specific number, the specific number right. but I know it's in there, um, they have a budget of that amount, and they were five years backlogged when we were trying to figure out when they would get to his clemency um, uh, file. And so they would tell us, you know, he, you have to wait until we can catch up to his file. So I think they finally caught up to his file either last year or this year. Um, but Kingsley flew to Florida. He went to, I think it was like Tallahassee. Right. And basically, like they asked the family, does Michael have any support uh, if he gets out? You know, like, does he have a job lined up? Where would he live? That kind of thing. And so it seemed like a very light, bright at the end of the tunnel. Um, however, nothing ever happened after that. And so, and then they had another one of those this past year. And it's kind of like, you just had to roll your eyes. Like oh, I already did this and I gave you everything you needed to know. He had a place to go. He had a job to go to, you know, like he had family support. He's a changed man, you know?
1: Right. I mean, He's after 20, after 27 man. years. Like it, for a small amount of cocaine, like we're mm-hmm. we're not talking about kilos at this point. We're talking about yeah. grams. We're talking about yeah. miniature amounts of gram, yeah. and to put somebody away for sixty years for what I've done in a good weekend
2: mm-hmm.
1: is insane.
2: Yeah, it's real. It's horrible. You know, it real. It sucks. And so what we've been trying to do is raise money. We've been trying to, um, you know, talk to legislators, we've talked to prosecutors, we've talked to, like, the sentencing judge literally came, or no, sorry, the DA, the DA who who put him in jail for 60 years even wrote a letter to Governor Scott at the time right. and said, Michael does not deserve to be in prison. I think he has served his time, let him out, and nothing. And,
1: and Skeletor did nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, that's very skeletal, Like, because you know he he has like some something to do with the private prisons as well as the drug testing that every government employee has to take. Um, which
2: he's the worst.
1: <laughs> he is, and now he's my senator. Um, so
2: I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy during this last election. Um, I was really conflicted because the who the Republican one in your state, right? Yeah. So that, but the Democrat was really the Democrat uh, nominee was really um, good on prison reform.
1: He So yeah, he was, uh, I am blanking on his name right now. He was good on prison reform and I really liked him for that. Right. But everything else, I was like, he's going to be so bad.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I was, I was just so conflicted because I was honestly like, I don't want to say this, but I really do believe that if he was elected, it would have been good for us to, like, to help get Mike out of prison. Right. Um, and I knew that the Republican nominee or candidate... DeSantis. ...didn't care about prison reform at all.
1: So DeSantis, so DeSantis is really weird. Um, I feel like he does care about prison reform, but he cares about so many other things first. He's actually, like, as far as governors go from... He's not bad. He's not mm-hmm. the worst governor I've ever seen. Like he's done a lot to help out uh, in a lot of areas that definitely needed it. But he seems to be starting to fade. Like he's be, I think he's so attached to the Trump train right now because that's yeah. what got him elected that he's kind of having to follow a path in order to try to get to the next step. Because I think he's going for president next. Uh, oh, you think? I do. Yeah, I think he's going to do uh, two terms governor here because he as long as nothing changes, he's getting reelected. Um, and that'll bring him into 2026, I think. 2026, so I think he's planning on like a 2032 run for president.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, all I can say is we haven't had any luck so far, but um, I'm really hoping that they can just process his clemency request,
1: yeah. If uh, I'm I used to work for uh, attorney general candidate, Bill Wilson, he was a libertarian and ran for attorney general, first uh, libertarian attorney, attorney general candidate in the States, in the United States. Um, and he worked on stuff like that, but unfortunately he's not in, I don't think he's in the business anymore. Um, yeah. And if so, I'd be like, Hey, need your help, Bill. Cause you owe me so many favors right now.
2: Aww. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We talked to a, he was like a judge or something. And they're like, he, he wanted money and he was like, I can talk to people, uh, but, you're going to have to pay me this. And
1: we're like, mm, that sounds like mean? a bribe. It <laughs> yeah, that sounds weird. like uh extortion. Sounds I legal.
2: Feel, <laughs> I feel great about it, but,
1: uh, <laughs> that's weird. You're a judge. I feel as though you should be,
2: just... oh, I don't think he's a standing judge anymore. I think he just has connections, but I mean, a bribe's the bribe.
1: <laughs> a bribe's a bribe. I mean, you can call that a consulting fee if he's not a judge anymore though. So yeah,
2: we'll go with that.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so is there so what can people do to like could, who should we write letters to our state senators here in Florida to our state legislators or
2: if you senators? can take the time to write a letter or an email to uh, the clemency board of Florida that would be ideal if you simply don't have the time to do that we do have a petition uh, that I can send you and you can put up in like the links yeah i'll put it in the show notes um, a signature takes I don't know, what, like four minutes? Maybe,
1: yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so,
2: uh, but that, you know, that would really be appreciated. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to gather as many signatures as possible with messages for, you know, there are tons and tons and tons of people who are like, this is totally unjust. Um, let him out, you know, like the taxpayer dollars that go towards keeping him in prison is just ludicrous.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the big thing: is you're keeping this guy in prison. You're keeping this guy in prison for what essentially sounds like about 15 grams of cocaine, um, just based on you know my personal knowledge on things. Um, sounds like it's about 15 grams of cocaine for 60 years.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I, it's what the average is: 742 dollars a day that you have to spend on a prisoner in the United States. I'm not sure what Florida is specifically, but something like 742 dollars a day for 60 yeah. years.
2: For someone who has actually never really committed a violent crime, right? Who's ever never
1: in life. exactly someone for somebody who, who's never hurt someone, totally
2: reformed. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, it's funny because, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's sad because you know he really did go into prison with like a cocaine addiction, and instead of getting him help, they just put him in a cell and just kept him there for twenty seven years. You know, like. Not once did they ever offer him some sort of program.
1: That's absolutely insane. I mean, the early 90s was, I mean, that was a crazy time for uh, the Reagan, Nancy Reagan, uh, just say no campaign. And you had George Bush
2: basically having that airfield and Nina. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, back in 1990 or something like that, you had George Bush Sr., George Herbert Walker. And he was on, you know, he was on president or he was on, he was on president. He was on television as president and he was talking about the crack cocaine epidemic. And he was like, somebody was buying crack just right here across the, from the White House. And they had, you find out later that he had switched. He had told the uh, DEA to switch where the buy was going to happen just so he could put that in the speech. Like, they well,
2: were... he was the culprit. He he literally hired people to smuggle drugs in from Wherever you know from
1: the CIA, from the CIA, and bring it in and drop it off. Yeah, uh, um, but, he's hypocrite.
2: I mean, he's dead, right? Yes. Yeah, I think. He, yeah, he recently died. Yeah,
1: he he recently. Yeah, he recently passed away, and uh many many of my Republican and Statist friends were sharing the video of George W. Bush giving the eulogy where he just breaks down at the end, and everybody's like, "It's so touching," and I was like, "Yeah." I feel for him because his dad died. Because that sucks. I don't want to deal with that, but
2: yeah, eh. but Eh.
1: it's like when McCain died and everybody was like, "Oh, you need to show respect." I
2: was like, "Do we?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, when McCain died, I was just like, "Oh God!" And then when Rockefeller died, I was like, "One down," you know. (laughs) It really—it's just I—I—I hate to celebrate someone's death, you know, because honestly, that person has family that lost somebody, and that's terrible. But when you've committed atrocious evil acts, like I my sympathy kinda of goes out the window. Right. Like if a rapist if a rapist dies, are you going to sit there and, and mourn the rapist? No.
1: Yeah, it was like when uh president when uh when Obama was president and um they killed Osama bin Laden and he came on TV and he's like, We killed Osama bin Laden and whatever and uh yeah Can Obama- I tell
2: you about that for one second yeah. i i had a boyfriend at the time who i thought i was going to marry uh and he was in afghanistan at that time when they caught obama or uh, osama sorry <laughs> really yeah. for, but, uh, <laughs> 40
1: and slip i get it
2: <laughs> i watched it on tv and i cried because i was so happy that they caught osama bin Laden.
1: i mean so i remember i was at work i was i was living up in tennessee as a i was at work at a pizza place up there and they I think it was a Sunday night and they cut the football games and Obama came on. and I was like, we're trying to watch football. What are you saying? And he started saying that. And like a ton of people started cheering. A ton of people started cheering. And then a bunch of other people were like, how can you cheer? That's a man's life. And I was like, yeah, but really is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <It's>, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't really. I'm not really for the state-sponsored murdering of somebody, but at the same time, am I upset that guy's gone? Nah, not even a little bit. I'm not gonna yeah. mourn Osama bin Laden with you people. Yeah. Uh, not gonna <laughs> cheer his death, but I'm not gonna mourn him. Um, it's,
2: uh, real quick cameo. Hey, it's Kingsley Kinsley, Rockmore Holton Edwards.
1: Hey, hey. Kingsley. <laughs> well, welcome we on to my show for a brief moment.
2: We were just making fun of your name. I know it's a great name, it's a but great it's, just, name. it's just a very royal name. It is a
1: very royal name. He is one of the kingsmen.
2: Yes. He was saying he <laughs> likes it. Anyway, sorry. I yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, Osama bin Laden. But that that was like that was my real statist moment, you
0: right. know. Like crying yeah. that
2: Osama bin Laden's dead, and I was like, oh you know, and then they threw him off a helicopter into the ocean, and I was just like, What?
1: That makes absolutely no sense. Why would you? Okay, sure.
2: Most wanted guy ever, and you just decide, oh, I'm just gonna push him out here. Yeah, we're him just him gonna crash. push
1: him. We're just gonna push him out and have him just fall all the way to the bottom of uh, the Atlantic Ocean here, and nobody will ever have to find out about him ever again.
2: Yeah, and it just so happens that the SEAL team that got him, like a lot of them, died from a helicopter crash a couple of weeks later.
1: It makes sense. Yeah, yeah I mean. With coincidence the, coincidence you know jeffrey epstein uh you know d- he definitely killed himself um do you mean i started yeah n- none of that it could possibly have been fabricated in any way shape or form uh, i
2: could go on for hours
1: <laughs> yeah that that one uh i think spike and i are going to record something later and i'm certain that's coming up because
2: it's it's crazy cuz i i know people who are really upset that he died um you know because the truth is suppressed but at the end of the day while the truth is suppressed and the elites are still still in power you know what i mean right i have never ever experienced the skepticism that like if you ask people on the right clinton did it clinton did If it. you ask people on the left trump did, it. trump did it you know so like i've never experienced such a time where so many of the American people are skeptics. Right. And that is great.
1: That is actually the greatest thing. It's, uh, I saw a poll recently where, uh, and I have no idea how valid this was. It could have been a meme somebody made, but I, I'm going with it as though it's factual. It was like 22% of people trust the Epstein autopsy while 24% trust gas station sushi. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know if this is real, but that's probably accurate. Like I would eat gas station sushi before I'm swallowing this Epstein uh, autopsy. Cause no one, yeah. no. Yeah,
2: and I love that. I like. I seriously, I think that it gives me hope. Even if the elites are still in power and that sucks, and people are still going to be suicided by the Clintons, um, more and more people are waking up to the fact that that kind of tyranny exists, whether it's Trump or the Clintons, whatever. Um, to me, like,
1: they're both, they're one and the same. Right. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's in power, whether whether it's the Bushes, the Clintons, the Reagans when they were, I don't think they're still around, but, uh, you know, the Trumps, uh, whichever party's going to be coming next, the Kennedys seem to be, like, rebranding their whole thing with uh, the little red-headed semi- off dude somewhere on the spectrum. Um, I can't remember. (laughs) Joe Kennedy, I think. Um, Like, all of these parties, all of like all of these people, all, all of these families, all of them are corrupt. You don't get to that position of power without being corrupt and without doing things that you and I and most of the people watching this would find absolutely horrendous. You don't do it. It's impossible to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Every single one of those people has been corrupted at some point in their lifetimes. And we're just supposed to be like, no, like... President Trump recently coming out and saying um, he is the chosen one or the next, the second coming of God or whatever that was granted. He was quoting somebody else. And I will say that he was quoting somebody else, but you repeated it. So yeah. Yeah.
2: You kind of open yourself up for that criticism.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, You repeated it there. There is nobody that's in any sort of power that I am like, yeah, you got there legitimately like city councils. Yes. Sure. You got voted in by the nine people that showed up that day. Congratulations. But (laughs) outside outside of that, if you're a president, if you're a senator, if you're whatever, you got there and at some point you did something that your conscience went, no, you should not do this. But you did it anyway.
2: Yeah. It's – yeah. And it's – it definitely is – like that's dark, you know? Like no matter what way you spin it, that is freaking dark. But again, like my – I do have hope that the world will turn around, and honestly i don't think I don't think there have been more woke people
1: no that. There I think
2: that we're living in a very new time
1: we are it's actually it like like we were saying earlier, it's a very exciting it's a very exciting time. People are starting to question everything, yeah, people are starting to look at everything from different angles and then thanks to you know thanks to the internet being what it is. Uh, not Facebook and YouTube, obviously, but you know, thanks to being able to get information from multiple sources where you're not banned, um, people are able to look at things from different angles and form their own opinions, and you're not listening to Broca just telling you that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Look
2: at Hong Kong,
1: Hong Kong is a perfect example. Like, that started because they were afraid that they were going to be extradited to the mainland of China for being political uh, adversaries, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and now. They're fighting for all sorts of rights, like Hong yeah, Kong is. I
2: mean, that's, that's beautiful. Like, okay, I would never like. Are they fighting for democracy? I think you know, democracy is awful. Uh, I'm not a fan of democracy.
1: I, I'm not a fan um, of democracy, but I'd take it over communism a hundred percent of the time.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And so you know, but the fact that like they want guns and and they want you know the Second Amendment right and mm-hmm. whatever like if that's that's pretty fucking amazing. Cause I've been looking, I've honestly, I've been looking for places to move, um, out of the United States, but the second amendment is such an important exception, you know? And so when you look actively look for places to move that supports that right where you can bring your guns and not be thrown in a Thai prison or wherever you are, um, you know, like it, there are not there are not many places out there where you can do that. Right. So I love I love that Hong Kong is like people are waking up and they're rising above and trying to beg, beg with their lives for those rights.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like what's going on in Hong Kong actually gives me it gives me hope for a lot of things in the future because people are actually standing up and fighting for what they think. That is 1776 America is what's going on in Hong Kong right now just with a lot cooler stuff, um, with a lot more (laughs) mainstream things. Um, If that sparks something somewhere else in the world, which sparks something somewhere else in the world, and people start standing up and fighting for their freedoms, which they right now incorrectly think comes from democracy, but they will then learn, okay, this isn't the right thing either. But that could eventually spark something where we're like, you know what? We don't even need the government because we all have the ability to rule ourselves individually. I mean, if my street needs a new road, we, I'm certain, well, probably not this street, actually. I got a lot of Bernie supporters, but, uh, you know, But we, I
2: mean, if you knock on the doors and you say, Hey, um, you know, there's a big pothole. I've seen your car go over it and kind of, you mm-hmm. know, get a little damage. I'm sure your suspension is being screwed up by every time you, you do that. Uh, a bunch of us are going to be working and kind of filling the pothole. Would you like to join me? 95% of the time, that person will probably be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing or good on you. Yeah, right. I actually can or I can't, but hey, here's 10 bucks.
1: Right, exactly. They'll ch- they will no, chip people in. Are inherently and
2: good.
1: People are inherently good. I absolutely believe that Yeah. until they get into power, which seems to be the opposite opinion of everybody else where they're like, no, people are awful until we elect them into power because that means that they were chosen by God to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, my cat just showed
1: up. Oh no, you're fine. Oh,
2: hi, kitty. Okay, keep going. Sorry.
1: But that—I mean—that's—that's that's been the biggest thing is that uh, I've found with people is they refuse to believe that you're good, that I'm good, that Kingsley's good, that anybody, like any individual, is good, unless they are the person in power, and that person's there is sent to be their savior, and they're going to be the ones that are going to fix all of the issues with this world. When in yeah. fact, they're just pushing the exact same problems that we already have and the real answer is just to go back to individual rights individual freedoms and less and less and less and less to no government
2: look when Pornhub is shoveling snow
1: and planting trees
2: and planting trees and dominoes a pizza place is covering potholes, potholes. um yep.
1: You, you really don't need to look much further to realize that private companies, private organizations are able to do these things much more efficiently, uh, a lot cheaper and j- just all around better than the government's been able to do it over the course of 200 years.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, so I, I hear you. It's, we actually had a speaker, um, Ovens O'Brien, I'm sure you know her from libertarian circles. Yeah. She's great. And I really like her and she, uh, she, oh, sorry. So she uh, she actually did a talk, and it was private solutions to public problems.
1: Okay, private solutions to public problems.
2: And so she was talking about dominoes, and she was talking about Pornhub, and she was talking about um, uh, ways, you know, like right. ways notifies you when there's a cop stop ahead, right. you know, and like, it that just that saves people so many tickets. It saves them so like,
1: much money. Saves them so much time. So many tickets. Cop ahead. It's a, it's yeah. a, it is a great feature. That I know that police forces all around the U.S. have sued Ways over it, and Waze has won every single time.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing. And and so like I encourage people to build stuff like that.
1: Absolutely, you know? build things that are going to help everybody out. Let me I know when there's a red light camera ahead.
2: Yeah. I just saw this. Uh, I saw two things that really inspired me this week. And it was um, it was the woman who created the shirts with the license plates on them. Did you hear about that? I didn't. So basically, you know how like, when a cop tells you like they're scanning every single license plate in view, and kind of running the plate. So this woman made a shirt with a bunch of different license plates on them. And I'll send you the link. But to basically like deter the police cam from like getting the license plates that are on the street. It'll like for instance, if someone's wearing it and they walk down the sidewalk, the camera mm. will pick it up and it'll kind of like divert oh, to that. You know,
1: that's actually a brilliant idea.
2: Yeah, I thought that was genius. And so like, I was like, wow, you know, way to like disempower the state. That's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, and there is this there is this other guy, and this this is a little weird. Um, and it can also be used. In a negative way, too. But he created masks to, like, for anti-surveillance, you know? Right. So, like, you go out in public and you put on a mask, and it's actually the guy's face. So I don't, you know...
1: It's the guy who created its face? I think so. Oh, man, that's, like, beautifully narcissistic.
2: It's very narcissistic. (laughs) And so... But at the end of the day, he also had good intentions, too. Uh, I don't know if it was more on the narcissistic side to be like, everyone will have my face, you know, but the way he phrased it was, you know, if I have to, if I have to get in trouble for something that someone else did, he goes, it's worth it in my opinion to basically disempower the surveillance state.
1: Right. Which is true. Like there, I think, uh, I know it was a satire article, but, uh, I think it was by Babylon B, but they said, uh juggle uh juggalo makeup uh keeps you from being surveilled and somebody was like juggalo's living in twenty twenty long before we were and I was like, that's actually I mean, yeah, it would work.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't like juggalos, but eh, that's a valid point. Yeah, every
2: time I go through customs, like flying back from Acapulco, really, like you have to do the cameras and take the photo of yourself. And I'm always like squinting my eyes or, you know, like trying to make my face look like something it's not, um, you know, or like closing my eyes so they don't get like my retina scans or something, you know. Right. Uh, so, but it's gotten to be really bad, like really bad. Really and bad. then you watch like First Amendment audits. Have you ever seen any of those? No. It's uh people who basically go and film the police.
1: Okay. So like, like a photography and it's not a crime.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But cops don't like being surveilled. No. That's, that's the problem. They but do they not. Can surveil you all single, like all day, all every day. day.
1: Yeah. I've got a uh, buddy here in Pinellas County and uh, he runs the Pinellas County chapter of PENAC or Ph- photography is not a crime. And he just posts videos of him filming cops while they're doing things. and. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
2: did he ever ever get thrown in jail?
1: uh, He has not yet that I have seen. Uh, I don't think he's been posted. Like this was five years ago. He started doing this a lot and he's, I don't see the posts as much. I still see him, but he hasn't Mm -hmm. posted about being in jail or anything. So I think that he got a job and now he needs to work. So he doesn't post as much.
2: Yeah, no, I will tell you, uh, Kingsley and I have, it's like a loop of first amendment audit videos that just, really probably stays on all, all day. <laughs> and you know, like we just we just watch people film the cops and a lot of the time these cops will actually attack them. Like yeah. throw them down, uh, take their cameras away, throw book them in jail. It's like it's crazy how angry these people get for just simply flipping the script and, and recording them instead yeah, of them it,
1: it's totally fine for them to be filming you all the time yeah but the moment the cameras turn around on them they're like no not and it's
2: legal it's legal to film them like it's, it's legal to walk into a police department and film public workers in a public space you know like that's totally protected by law and they hate it they don't they, like they freaking it. Hate it and they try to fight it every time you know right like, like these cops don't even they don't even know the laws they don't even understand that like what our rights are
1: right like I know I set they'll up, violate them
2: anyway.
1: I set up a shortcut on my phone that uh, if I say hey Siri police or something um, I can't remember what the what the code is, but I think it's just I say hey Siri police uh, it automatically starts recording. it sends a text message to Spike Cohen uh, with the video that I just recorded and uh texts like my emergency contacts that i am dealing with the cops
2: that's amazing
1: yeah you can like there's this new shortcut thing that you can do on iphones i think you've been able to do it on android for a while i'm not 100 percent sure and i set that up and i was just like all right i only shortcut i will ever set up
2: yeah i mean i'm not a huge iphone person but that sounds fucking awesome
1: right yeah, it is it is one of the greatest things about the new iPhone iOS thing is I set that up and now I'm like, okay, now if I ever need that, it's there. Is it
2: a live stream video or is it like a recorded video?
1: I think it's a recorded video. I haven't had to use it, so I'm not 100% sure which one it is. I kind of want to just test it out and find out and Spike will be like, why are you sending me a weird video of nothing?
2: Yeah. No, well, yeah, it has to be it has to be live stream because that's the only way they're ever held held accountable for their actions.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: So, so for those watching who want to start filming the police, make sure live stream, it.
1: Live stream, live stream. It doesn't count if it's not live stream because then it could be edited.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> that's the argument. That's what they'll say. I know, that's yeah, that's the argument. You know, well,
2: crazy.
1: that is just about all the time we have for today. Do you have stuff you want to push stuff you want to tell people to go check out?
2: Yeah, uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Float that much, but okay. we are a uh, a social media network that aims to just be better than all the rest. Um, you know, like we really want to be able to help content creators uh, who have been shadow banned and uh, blocked and have their their income totally uh, slashed. So uh, you can go over to our our website www.floatf app And uh, create a profile. Let me know what you guys think. I mean, I even want your thoughts, to be honest. So if you can just write me like a little blurb of what you think about the platform.
1: Sure. Yeah, that won't be a problem. Um, We're in
2: beta right now. And so I realized that there are a couple of bugs, but we're trying to like get them in a bug report and kind of work on them daily. Um, So for the record. But yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to be doing a uh, marketplace as well, like storefronts. Oh, nice. So if if you have any merch... Like you can throw it up there and everything is in uh, Bitcoin right now. Cryptocurrencies is all we're going to accept. No U.S. dollars at all.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about float is that uh, people can just give me crypto for uh, me doing this, which that's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's another, one, another feature. So, you know, how, I don't know if you ever go live on YouTube mm-hmm. and they, people send you super chats.
1: No, people haven't done that for us.
2: <laughs> no, okay. No. Well, that's a that's a future on YouTube. <laughs> but the problem is, like I can send you fifteen dollars or ten dollars, and YouTube will actually take thirty or forty percent of that donation. Um, it's crazy. So the beautiful part about Float is that you can live stream and people can send you super chats. It's gonna be in Bitcoin, uh, but you get that full donation. We don't take a cut, not even one percent. So
1: all right. No, that's, uh, and that's awesome. Cause that's, why would you take somebody else's? Why would you take somebody else's earnings? You're not the government, right? You're not the government. You're not in the business of theft. Um, uh, are you guys doing our Anarcho Vegas next year?
2: We are. Yeah. So we're, we're planning Anarcho Vegas 2020 right now. It's probably going to be that same weekend, uh, the same weekend of Freedom Fest. So I think it's the 18th and the 19th of July and we're still, basically negotiating like venues, but it's going to be a two day event instead of a one day event next year. So. Awesome.
1: I'm going to see if I can get uh spike and Jason to go out there with me next year.
2: Yes, please, please. I would love, I mean, we could even set up like a muddied waters table where you guys can just go live directly from the event. Oh, so I be think am-
1: that would be amazing. amazing. We would have yeah. so much fun doing that. <laughs>
2: Cool. Let's talk about it. Let's get it done.
1: Okay. Totally down with that. I got to talk about it with Spike first because, you know, partner, but, you know, whatever. He'll say yes. Um, okay, cool. I'll,
2: I'll I promise to give you uh, booze.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he and I are both sober.
2: Oh, okay. Well, but uh, so, not booze. I promise to give you not booze.
1: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm like almost five years sober and he's like 12.
2: Do you smoke weed? Nope. Oh wow! Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. I I am like, I always made fun of people who were straight edge and bragged about it, but now I kind of do the exact same thing, except I do it by being like, oh yeah, I'm I'm sober now.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny because I I actually cut down drinking a lot. I mean, it was I I there was a time where I was just really drinking a lot, and uh, now it's so funny. Kingsley like always calls me a puritan because I'll have one drink and I'm like done and Um, i i I really won't drink probably i'll drink every once in a blue moon right but only have like one or two
1: yeah i uh september 7th was the last september 7th 2014 was the last time i had
2: alcohol wow congratulations honestly like it took me like i know i know alcoholics and so watching what they go through oh i was like i don't I don't want to put my body through that. I don't want to put myself through that. I don't want to put my family through that. I, I can't imagine. Um, I, I just don't ever want to go down that road. So I'm like, I should just probably eliminate it. It's not good for you anyway.
1: Right. I'll, I'll have to find a picture uh, of me right before I quit drinking and send it to you because I didn't look like this.
2: Really? I yeah, I know it ages you.
1: badly. Really badly. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was a lot heavier. My face was much, much rounder. And like, I had like the red, like the redness that you get from drinking too much. And it like, it was bad. The first month was awful. It was, uh, it was God awful. Uh, like I, I had like the, I would wake up with DTs in the middle of the night, like night sweats. Like I would get sick. It was, it was a bad month.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I'm really glad that you stopped drinking and I mean, 2014, that's a long time. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: I'll Uh, buy you juice.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll drink juice all day long. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I do appreciate it. Uh, I got to do the outro, but if you want to hang out for a minute, we can talk for a minute afterwards.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. No problem. All
1: right. Beautiful. Everybody else, uh, be sure you tune in all week long. We've got Jason Lyon doing uh, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. We have uh, Spike and Me on Monday doing uh, my—nope, that's Spike's show—doing uh, Muddy Waters of Freedom on Wednesday. we got Spike Cohen, My Fellow Americans. Next week, I will be back on Thursday with a brand-new episode of The Writer's Block. And next Friday we've got Jason Lyon, the Bearded Truth, coming back. Tune in for all of that. Have a great weekend. Uh, do everything you can to uh, fight for freedom, and just enjoy the rest of uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one. Bye. I
0: am. I am. I am swinging from a seventh story window. Throwing parties in a 10x7 cell It's astounding the legs I'll go oh, oh. To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help Yeah, I am waving while I drown Don't bother swimming out to save me, I will only drag you down I'll try to use your body as a life raft Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two I'll sail and ship you into the sunset I've been on savoury water till so my liver turns blue <laughs> I've runnin' from the gunman I'm him, Hey Mr. Tambourine, man, play a song for me When well, my hiding place is broadcast the Standing, the lengths I'll go oh, 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 To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's head